welcome to League One Fun. We're presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ira Jersey here with another interview special. On the line with me is Darren Van Tassel, the co-owner of South Georgia Tormenta. Darren, thanks very much for coming back on League One Fun. Ira, it's a big pleasure to be here. We're starting to feel the uh, like we're going to like parole is uh, kicking in and we've got a chance to bring some high-level pro soccer back. And I have to tell you, through this time, I've, I've been a, a listener too, so I really appreciate the material you guys are putting out. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. So let's just get right into it. So, um, you know, just today, uh, as we're recording here on the uh, on the 29th of June, the league has now taken off the training moratorium. So, you know, how what do you guys plan on having your team trainings and be back on the pitch, uh, you know, getting ready for the start of the season? Well, Tormenta FC went today. We had our first session where the moratorium was lifted so we could go full contact today. We've been training hard um, with just 10 players, no contact, and one coach at a time for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we, were in, we were just in phase two. So we're conditioned. We're ready to go. Um, it's going to take a little bit to you know, get the contact piece down um, for soccer again. But we were certified by the league, which was a very uh, heavily vetted process. We were certified by the league uh, late Friday that we could get going today. We've had... We've all had our baseline testing done that we were negative. Um, and there are protocols in place, all 50 some odd pages. Fans can go uh, check them out online at USL if they'd like that, that we've got to meet some things. And, and today was, today was a nice day. Today was one of those first days, I think, where not only we, we had the classic health and safety in my Naira, but we started being able to see that in less than three weeks, our league is going to be playing and, uh, we're going to start working on winning championships, and that's the next piece to uh, make sure we've got uh, so this, firmly in mind, too. So this is like a second preseason for you guys. Is is Are there plans in place to do any preseason friendlies, or is everything going to be um, basically inter, inter squad until you get onto the pitch um, sometime on or after July 18th, which is the date that the league has set and, and the owners have set for uh, the resumption of play? That's right. We know that on the 18th, um, the league can play that day uh, at Tormenta. We've been very open with the league that we're willing to go first and we are willing to host uh, that first game um, if the league makes that decision. Um, and so we, we, we've done our part to prepare here um, as best that we can. Um, I can tell you on the training side, you're right. It is a preseason, second preseason, isn't it? Um, under our protocols, we can play friendlies. Um, it requires um, a a negative round of testing beforehand. Let me just rewind. So once the season begins, Ira, part of the league protocols that both the players and the owners agreed to, and by the way, they were overwhelmingly agreed to by both sides um, through a long process of, of trying to make sure we got the protocols right, not a long process, process of having to negotiate on them. Um, we will, all the players, um, and front office people that are in a 40 person bubble, um, will be tested once a week. And prior to that time during the preseason, it's every other week, unless we play a friendly, which could only be against uh, either, uh, you know, other USL, um, teams, um, championship or, 
League One or MLS teams because those were testing protocols and regimes that we know would be in place. Um, I think at our end, we're not going to play uh, a friendly, although I think competitively we'd like that. So it's going to be a, a lot of intra-squad games as, as we gear up and internally are planning to play on July 18th. You know, I, I do want to talk to you a little bit about your roster because you, you hit came out with some news recently about the way that you're, you're constructing the roster and getting ready for, for next year. Um, but let's talk just a little bit about the preparations that you have to do for your stadium and what will go into actually bringing fans in. Because one of the big criticisms or, or concerns that a lot of people have is, you know, in the middle of this pandemic, we're going to be bringing sports back. Now, at some point, Point, you know, sports were going to come back before the very end of, of COVID anyway, probably. But the, the I guess with some states, Georgia included among them, that are seeing a spike in cases, um, you know, there is a concern for, for health and safety. And I'm sure you have those same concerns. So what are you doing to ensure that? And, and what are the protocols have you do for, uh, for fans in Stadia? Yeah, listen, if there are concerns or criticisms or worries about um, how we keep people safe in this environment, I share them. Those concerns and worries and criticisms are all happening at a very valid, fluid time. Here, here's the reality. Where we thought, what we thought we knew about the science of this virus in March, much of it is held, and we're also smarter in a whole bunch of areas. Um, I remember we put together the protocols for how we could play a season. You know, one of the things about the USL, too, is we're making a decision to play in our home stadium with fans, which is very different than MLS has done thus far. Major League Baseball or the NBA or uh, the Women's Professional Soccer League has made a decision. The USL will be the first um, when we when we're out of the gate later this month. So we have to get it right. Here's the guidance, the medical guidance that we received and our protocols are. It's pretty simple. As players, they're tested once a week. Um, they have to wear masks 100% of the time um, unless they're on the field um, or in training or in their home. Um, they also have to social distance from each other unless they're living together, which is considered to be a family unit. Unit. The, the, the reality is that, you know, in order to avoid close contact, we really, the, the science is that the game itself is not a very likely time for close contact of up to 15 minutes, um, which that could occur, where we have to be more concerned is our close contact in our living quarters when we're eating, when we're having meetings, when we're traveling on buses. Um, that's really the more likely place to have it. Listen, it's not like you, that you can't um, spread the virus in a game amongst players. It's just not terribly likely. Um, fans and humans in general if we keep social distance, we're going to be safe. So what the protocols are in the league, first of all, we have to follow the state and local authorities. Um, in the state of Georgia, uh, which really came out first, right, and had some of the more liberal um, policies about opening up, the state simply says that uh, professional sporting events can occur in our state as long as we're meeting the guidelines of our league. Every state's going to have some different ones in that regard. And our league is going to require us to social distance. So that, that means groups of fans can come at, fans can come as in a group up to a certain number in Georgia, um, but those groups have to be socially distanced. So in our case, in addition to having to keep the stadium clean, um, we have to keep those groups 
um, separate from one another. Um, and it means, here's the reality, here's the economics of that. That means for us, we can probably go from three and a half to 4,000 people a game to somewhere between 400 to 700. Now, that's a big kick in the pants doing that economically. We know we'll have more eyes watching our broadcasts on ESPN than ever before. Um, and we have to get get those things right. These are things we've been working on and planning on really for the last three months. So we do think that um, we can both play competitive sports um, and have fans in attendance and keep those folks safe. But, um, you know, the stadiums are going to be very similar to the challenges we have with the public um, anywhere the public is going to interact. We've got to be smart. Um, and we have an obligation to to each other. Um, and we think that we can do that in USL. I'm super excited that pro soccer is going to be coming back and that um, we're going to be in our own stadiums, which is really important for uh, us to come forward. And I think it's a real testament to the other owners, the Players Association, and the entire um, USL League um, to press forward and, and to be brave um, during this time, I think we can do both, and so, it's not a choice about about one or the other. So let's say that let's say that your capacity is you know seven hundred instead of four thousand. Uh, you know how are how are you going to go about um, you know picking those seven hundred people? I mean, presumably you'll have some season ticket holders, but uh, you know if uh, um, you know what happens if you're oversubscribed? I mean, what, what do you have? Great! Any, All any of a sudden, we, we're we're the airlines, aren't we? <laughs> In, in terms of how you, how you do that. Well, that's right. There's a real puzzle to that. On the one hand, um, every game should be a sellout. If, if we're only at 700, I'll just use that number for our conversation. Um, our season ticket holders are going to have to get first, um, um, first shot at that before the tickets go on sale to the public. It's almost like escorting everybody and showing them where the next group can be. It's not easy. It is a puzzle. I, I said today, it's, it's like trying to do a puzzle in the back of a of a convertible while driving. Um, not that the driver needs to be a part of it, but you know, you got wind and pieces to put into place. It, it won't be easy, um, but it is it, it is doable, and it requires more, not less, communication with folks coming to the stadium that day. And then if you, you think about, you know, the stadium experience obviously would be much different. So, uh, you, you know, are you they have to do things like, you know, lay out lines for, you know, having everyone six feet apart, going to concession stands or to the restrooms or, or whatever? Like, what's the uh, what are the in-stadium protocols like that you have to do as a front office in order to ensure that fan safety? Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to look like our grocery stores and restaurants where they are, too, where there's marks on the ground where you can stand in lines, um, where you limit um, certain gatherings. The good news is we're outside. One of the things that we certainly have learned from our doctors who are advising us that games on the outside and interaction on the outside is very different than in our interactions on the inside. So um, we feel good about that. You know, while the heat and the sun of the summer may have not really, it does not influence this virus quite as much as we might have hoped Back in March, the outside certainly does it. It is going to be a different experience. Listen, there's going to be fewer people that are there, you know, having the, um, you know, 
um, mouthpieces where you can, you know, megaphones and vuvuzelas where you can, you know, do those kind of things are not going to be permitted this time. We can still have flags, but, um, you know, fans are going to have to have a different in-game experience. It's an asterisk year. I'm full of cliches today, Ira. And it is um, an asterisk year to be sure, but we still are going to be playing for championships. And and we really do feel like with the protocols that we've set up that we can do both. We can travel and keep everybody in safe uh, means. And when and if um, we have a positive test case, um, you know, we're not going to be any more immune than others. Although our athletes in front office are behaving and have protocols in place that are very different than others. It's essentially a shelter in place protocol the entire season. Um, but when we have some, um, you know, contact tracing will let us know about um, who is not going to be eligible at that moment and who still can, can be since we protect the other, um, the other folks. And um, I, I think that's really interesting that you're already, you know, uh, at least uh, mentally prepared for that. And just the way that you phrase that, you, you know, you said when, not if. And um, so, so I, I think that that's interesting and important to note. So, so talk a little bit about the away games. So, you know, one of the things that we've heard is that you're obviously going to have more closer away games because, um, uh, so, so a little bit more bus travel than, than air travel, hopefully. Um, but, but talk a little bit about air travel and how, you know, you as a team and, and, and what are the, the protocols that go into place when you have to go, eventually you're going to have to go to Tucson. You're going to have go to North Texas. Right? That's right. So, so what That's are right. the, those kind and of And we're not taking like? a bus to those places. <laughs> no, so, no, no you not, know, it's, not unless it's you like, wanted to spend a couple of nights in a hotel, which would also do No, the it's a longer, right? it's a longer drive. Um, you know, we will, we've worked with the airlines on this and we've been in communication with them for the last six, eight weeks in terms of league and our, and our travel agency that we work where, um, you know, as best we can. And we were going to be wearing our masks, but you know, whether we were on the airline or the, or the bus, that's probably an obligation, um, to us. Thankfully airlines are probably safer on the quality of air now than they would have been prior to March. Um, and, um, you know, in our section, we feel reasonably safe that our folks aren't going to have it because of the extreme testing. So our seats will be placed in, in a way that, um, you know, minimize our interaction with others that, that are there. And again, as long as we can, you know, keep close contact from a, a significant period of time, which they tell us is, you know, 15, up to 15 minutes beyond that, you start really, really, really increasing the chance of, of of um, you know contaminating each other, and I and I think we can be safe. There's so much of it about being smart, and and, and I'm really impressed with the good citizens that at least our franchise has been. Um, as much as I've learned from the other owners too, these guys want to get it right. Um, they have not been complaining about it. They didn't ask for this as players for a professional season. None of us did as a as a planet or as a community. But they also feel like they have a responsibility to a franchise, to a city they call home, and to, um, you know, the folks that they're going to be competing against. It is an imperfect set of protocols. And I think it is so important to say that. And our protocols are living and breathing documents. And if the Constitution in 1789 in Philadelphia had to be amended 10 times right out of the bat, right out of the box, right, these protocols will be amended and, and changed to help us as we learn uh, better science 
in, in terms of the whole thing. Um, but again, our, our plan has been being able to do, to do both. And um, I, I, I feel quite confident that we've done the work in order to do so. So I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier in our discussion, and, and that was that um, you know you've basically volunteered to go first. Um, so uh, you know in in that discussion about it, I mean there are some teams that you know might not have stadium avail- stadiums available for months still. Um, so what type of discussions have you been having? So so let let's say that you guys go first, you know, on or about the 18th of of July, maybe there's a couple of other teams that are in a similar situation, but uh, you know, wh- what happens and and what discussions are you having with teams like Madison that might not be able to get into their stadium until September or something like that? Yeah, we all have different challenges, and and that's one of the even it, we're, you know we're embarking out during a time where and not everybody has their home stadium figured out right you know you know immediately and 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 we're trying to design a schedule based upon the things that we do know about. So, um, I can tell you the guys in Madison have really done a great job of working with their local authorities, trying to find out what they can and and can't do. You know, in Georgia, no city or county can have a different set of rules. In the state of Wisconsin, um, city, counties and cities can have different rules. So I know they're working hard to try to figure out what that perfect date and timeline is. And it might be that they're on the road um, at the beginning um, as other things happen. And it might be that, that professional sports in, in, in various cities are given some, some different set of circumstances. Right. Because every state, listen, as soon as Washington, D.C. said we're not going to have a federal policy on what to do, we're going to leave it to the states and local entities. Then it's not surprising that in a league that plays across the entire country, and in our case, also into Canada, um, that we're going to have a whole bunch of different jurisdictions. They're going to have some different policies. This has made it more difficult, not easier. And with that being the case, we've worked tremendously hard to try to get try to get the games in um and when we made the decision to go forward and voted as owners to do so um we did it with those challenges in mind um that doesn't mean they're going to go away honest you raised some some good ones um right there now we still have much much work to do but as a league we felt confident that, that we could do so um, so let's talk a little bit about your roster. So y- without the USL League Two season, which obviously you were a League Two team and then you kept your two team even though you started the professional team, um, without a League Two season, you've been relying on a lot of those players for your roster. Um, you announced that you were having eight players from that would have probably played on the two team training with the first team kind of as, I guess, trialists. Like, you know, so, so what's that been like and, and what kinds of interactions have you been having with um with, with the coaching staff in order to ensure that you have that bench to call upon when uh, when the time comes either this year or or certainly into 2021 yeah that's a great question i love talking about this one too because as a franchise we really are um committed to the the usl at the league one and league two levels um our heart still remains in league two as you well know our players continue to come from League Two. And in the summer where we didn't get to have a League Two season, we still have to plan on a 2021 roster. Um, and the mechanics of that are important. So we did bring nine League Two players. I think the re- report was that there were eight. We have nine League Two players in camp. Um, we 
quarantined them, um, tested negative, so they were free to interact when we went into today. Um, and so they're cleared to be part of that interaction. So in our case, they are probably trialist is to think about that as a piece for us. Um, but they would all be eligible for the 2021 season and you have to win championships in 2020 while in our case, preparing for 2021. Um, and it's pushing the guys. So I think that's true of any professional sports franchise. And, you know, in baseball, there are always guys in double A and triple A pushing the guys at the big league club to do it. We want that same dynamics to happen here. And um, in the preseason, I think it's going to be really, really important. We'll probably Ira have them here until um, early October, maybe for some of it couldn't be a little bit later. Um, some of them still have another year of college eligibility. And so we need to return them to their uh, NCAA teams in good shape. And um, really super honored that they were here. A lot of them really sat and quarantined in, in some different cities outside of our own, just waiting for the opportunity um, to come and join us. And um, they've been here for a while and going to be great additions. There are no question future Torment FC professionals. Let's talk about one other topic that obviously has been big. I mean, we've talked a lot about COVID and about the return to play, but obviously the Black Lives Matter movement has um, has been around for now about a month, and Tormenta, um, as an organization, helped raise money for your local NAACP chapter. Um, you know, how has the interaction of the players and staff been in terms of uh, team cohesion? And then on top of that, you know, how did the fundraising go? And um, and and what what plans does do you have as a club in the future uh, to help support the Black Lives Matter movement, which clearly is uh, has become a priority for the club you know if it matters to the people I work with it matters to me and things that matter to me I hope also matter to the people I get to work and, and live around you know I read a lot a lot of people know I my my own personal family is very multi-ethnic multi-racial um, my parents adopted five children so I have five siblings that live from hail from all over the world in terms of where they were born in terms of their racial makeup. So this is a personal one for me, but it was also personal to our players in front office. Tormenta FC um, is made up of a lot of families and players in front office, people who are black. There's no sense in dancing around the subject. And that's who Tormenta FC is. Um, and, you know, to, to not be tone deaf at the moment would be to miss out on what truly is mattering. It mattered to our players and, um, we made some decisions as a front office and, and coaching staff and players to make a statement. And we made it at a time when it wasn't necessarily a popular thing to do. Um, and we wanted to do something locally. I appreciated that as an organization that we wanted to make that commitment. In our case, the NAACP is who we raise money for. Um, is it life-changing amounts of money? It's $2,000 that we were able to, to raise. Um, we're actually going to present that check to them on behalf of some of our players who wanted and requested that they could be a part of that um, exchange on Wednesday. 
And, um, you know, how do we make it ongoing? You know, one of the things that sports lets us do, Ira, is to symbolically make statements and say things and, and to do things because of the media coverage that we get. Um, listen, our entire life work is linked to about are we um, being good citizens? Are we being important people in the lives of all of us? And I don't know when we got sidetracked that one of the ways we separate ourselves is along racial lines, but clearly <laughs> the human existence over the last several centuries has, has posed a challenge on that. We have a moment to make the record better. I don't know if we're going to fix the record. Human existence hasn't always uh, been kind to us in that regard, but we certainly have an opportunity to how we talk about things and symbolically do them to make things better. Goodness knows that's where it begins, and it, we're really honored to be a part of that at Tormenta FC. And I'm so honored by so many others in the sports world who are are who are making that stand. We've we got to be better. It's not this shouldn't be that tough, but we have to be better. And you know, the our challenge for all of us will be is moving beyond the symbolism to to making those things real. Um, we're certainly committed to taking that journey here. Well, that's great, Darren. Thanks very much for your time and coming back on League One Fun today. Thank you. It's such an honor. And I said it at the outset, I really am a fan. I love listening to what you're doing. Our, you guys are a really important part at League One Fun about growing our brands and growing um, soccer at our level. And I appreciate the um, legitimacy you've, you've always been, been able to get to us. And it's going to be super fun. It's a championship uh, for 2020 is about to be opened up and looks like about 20 games in 16 weeks. So um, we're all ready for kickoff. So we got a lot of soccer to look forward to. Well, that's great. When we come back, we'll have Matt Hominoff from uh, Union Omaha, who is about to start their inaugural season if everything goes well. Stay with us. Welcome back to League One Fun. On the phone with me now is Matt Hominoff, the general manager of Union Omaha. Matt, thanks for coming back on League One Fun. Thanks so much for having me, Ira. We just got off the the phone with Darren Van Tassel from Tormenta FC, and and you know we talked a little bit about their preparations for for how to deal with fans and how to deal with the protocols in the stadium. I'd like to ask you the same thing. So, what um, what have you had to do, firstly, for from the fan point of view, um, in terms of things like season tickets? You know, you you had really done a great job in, um, in in your inaugural season selling tickets, and it seemed like you're going to have a great atmosphere. But obviously, COVID, you know, kind of put that on hold at least till July 18th. But so so, what's your what's your process right now in dealing with uh, with fans, and as we prepare for return to play in about three weeks' time? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so there's certainly no easy answer or simple answer there. It starts with having conversations uh, with our season ticket holders, uh, making sure that they understand that they have two basic options. Uh, option one is to take the uh, number of games that we do end up hosting, which we're estimating at 10 this year. Uh, and obviously that's less than the 16 we had originally promised them. So our season ticket, and I understand this is not the same as every other League One team, but our season ticket had been predicated on 14 regular season games and two exhibitions. Um, we had really hoped to be able to bring in at least one, if not two, Mexican teams uh, to play at Warner Park in our inaugural season. Uh, obviously, that is no longer an option. 
Uh, so that 16 comes down to approximately 10. So again, option one is uh, come to the 10 games this season and the remaining six in your paid season ticket get pushed to 2021 as a credit. Option two for those fans that are uh, either unable or uncomfortable coming to games in 2020 is simply to push the entire amount of the season ticket to the 2021 season. Um, so we gave our fans that option when it was announced that there'd be a return to play on or about July 18th. Uh, and well over 50% of our fans replied back within that very first week uh, as to what their stated preference is. So a big part of what we're doing now is communicating with the remainder of our season ticket base to understand what their needs are. Uh, what we don't know with any real certainty is how many fans beyond our season ticket holders that are coming in 2020 will be able to come into the park. And presumably uh, that, that'll be your, based on the other 50% replying and, and the difference will be how many non-season ticket holders could come in. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and the, the real challenge, of course, is, is that local regulations change. Um, you know, in Nebraska, they're changing approximately once a month. Uh, but we certainly understand that as, as uh, cases of COVID-19 go up and down, that policies could change either more or less frequently uh, in reaction to those. So as of right now, we're, uh, we're in a situation where the local guidelines, which for us are mandatory because we need a health department certificate, um, uh, are that accounts or, excuse me, groups of eight or less are spaced uh, by that, that uh, six-foot social distancing guideline. Uh, so in order to do that, uh, we need to reconfigure, we needed to reconfigure our seating chart, uh, and that's why we're projecting a maximum total capacity of Warner Park at under 3,000 seats, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 24 to 2,600. So what does that do for your, your game day experience? So, so there's going to be little pockets of, you know, four to, you know, maybe two to eight people at, at different parts of the um, uh, of the park. But how does how does that work, say, in, in the back office? Right. Because obviously people have to move around. They have to use the restroom. They'll have concession. Presumably you have concession stands open. So what types of changes mm. have you had to do or will have to do in the park to comply with any guidelines that you have from the local health authorities? Uh, um, so I think there's two ways to answer that. The first is it's important to remember that there is no baseline. We have not had the opportunity to host a soccer match at Warner Park. Uh, obviously, this was meant to be our inaugural season. Uh, and in terms of changing from a previous model, we're changing, of course, from plans, not from an actual game day setup that we had tried and, and tested. So a lot of what we're doing is, is very much on the fly because, again, we didn't have the opportunity to host a game um, yet. Uh, the, the changes that we've put forth are common in terms of what fans are seeing in venues around the country, whether that's uh, spacing via floor markings at all of the concession stands, um, as well as uh, for fans that may need to wait for a restroom, uh, and then, of course, the admission gates as well. Um, the, the seating uh, issues I already went over briefly, uh, spacing not just uh, in the row, but also between rows. So essentially, we're looking at the aisles of every other row uh, in our seating bowl. Uh, and then in the berm, where the Omaha Parliament, our uh, supporters group, is going to be standing, um, they'll be spaced uh, via essentially circles that we spray paint into the grass uh, and, um, and can space them out that way. 
So there's there's a lot of unknowns as to how that will end up looking and what the sound uh, and overall game day experience and feeling will end up being. Uh, but I can't compare it to any baseline or any other games because we haven't had any games yet. How, how closely have you had to work with the Storm Chasers, who is are the other tenants in the venue? Is has it has it been very close, or because they're not playing either, you're going to be the first back, certainly with um, with fans yeah. in the stadium. So it, it's it is very close. It's as close as two organizations can possibly work together. Um, it's important to remember we share a president in Marty Cordero, uh, and Marty is the ultimate authority on all things Warner Park. Uh, he has been intimately involved, to say the least, in all of the preparations as we look forward to uh, the first live soccer event at Warner Park um, this summer. Uh, the Storm Chasers have hosted some other events, uh, obviously much smaller scale in terms of local baseball. Uh, and coming up on Friday, July 3rd, they're hosting a uh, their annual fireworks display, um, all with the appropriate capacity and distancing guidelines. So we're going to learn a lot from that event, I'm sure, uh, prior to us hosting games. Um, and, uh, and we'll continue to work very closely with Marty and the Storm Chaser staff to understand exactly what we can and cannot do in this venue. So you've noted a few times that you haven't even played a game yet. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you had very good season ticket sales and it looked like it was going to be, you know, a really great turnout for your first year. Um, what have you guys been doing and what have been some of the, the kind of hits and misses in trying to keep the momentum going and, and in, ensuring that the fan base has stayed engaged uh, during this uh, during this time? It's, it's a great question, um, and it's a multi-layered answer for sure. Um, you know, the, the, the saying right now among sports teams, of course, as many of your fans will know, uh, is that we've gone from running a professional sports team to becoming a digital content company, um, and it felt like it happened overnight. So a lot of the social and digital um, uh, interaction that we had planned for our fans really ramped up exponentially out of necessity. Uh, so whether it's contests, giveaways, uh, interactive Q&As with our players, um, uh, I mean, you name it. If we could figure out how to do it on Facebook Live or Instagram Live um, or uh, even YouTube Live, we, we've tried it. Uh, and we'll continue to push the envelope as much as we can in terms of getting our fans access to our players in a digital sense. Um, we did have a, uh, a pretty successful event just this past weekend uh, where we were able to bring out fans to the Werner Park parking lot and play a soccer tennis tournament. So basically 2v2 two, two two, um, in a kind of a beach volleyball style uh, for the soccer players in your audience. They'll know exactly what soccer tennis is and what the net looks like. It's a little less than waist high. Um, and it's the perfect social distancing uh, activity uh, with a ball. Uh, so I would encourage any of your listeners to check out our social media feeds for highlights. Um, and while our players were not able to participate due to uh, the League One um, health and safety protocols, uh, our coaching staff was. And here's where I'll break the news uh, to everyone that our head coach, Jay Mims, uh, and his hand-selected partner, uh, a former local collegiate player, won the tournament. Uh, and we're we're very impressive in doing so. Oh, that's so unfair. Uh, so it was a really that's fun so event. unfair. That's so unfair, Matt. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, believe <laughs> me, I will. Believe me, I will never let him live down 
that his trophy is tainted by the fact that the players that are actual roster players were unable to participate in the ter- in the tournament. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, but what I will say is, and you'll you'll easily be able to see this in the highlights that we posted. It really was a fun morning out. Um, uh, we we did our best to to adhere to every single. Um, league protocol and uh, local health and safety guidelines, kept keeping fans apart, keeping everyone in PPE, um, making sure that groups didn't congregate in uh, in numbers of eight or more. Um, and it, it was a fun morning of uh, obviously not soccer in the traditional sense, but of soccer tennis. Um, so if you add that to the original uh, events that we had over the past couple of weeks and months regarding uh, fans coming out and being able to pick up uh, a um, a ballpark meal uh, pre-ordered along with their season ticket holder scarves. Um, you can see that, that we've put a lot of effort into getting folks out to the ballpark because for a big portion of our fan base, we're still introducing them to the location. It's important to remember for, for the non-local fans that are, are listening, Werner Park is not in downtown Omaha. It's in a western suburb called Papillion, just about 20 minutes outside of downtown. So for a lot of our fans in either other suburbs or who live in the city of Omaha itself, we're still introducing the location to them as a destination for pro soccer. So a lot of our thought process when it comes to events here uh, is is with that in mind. So given that you so you've been able to keep up with a lot of your fans and, and you had very good um, initial attendance, do you expect most of your games to be sellouts under the new um, under the new guidelines that you're, you'll probably have to play at least your first few matches under? Oof, that, that's a tough one. Um, I, I certainly hope so, but the reality is, is that there's so many unknowns, just like in every other market uh, virtually right now, um, that without knowing what the individual issues that each season ticket holder is facing, uh, we have no concept of a, whether they're going to use tickets that are already purchased, or B, assuming we do have walk-up tickets available, which we do think we'll have some, how, how in demand those are going to be. I have no doubt that the, the community here in Omaha is incredibly hungry for this team to get going, but whether or not they will um, come out to the park remains to be seen. So while, uh, while I'm cautiously optimistic that we will uh, fill to the capacity on the day, uh, until we know more about what individuals' uh, personal issues may or not may or may not be, it's a really tough question to answer. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but but here's here's where I'll mention that all of our games are on ESPN Plus, just like all uh, all other USL games. Uh, so we're we're um, excited that our fans will be able to see us play, regardless of whether they come out to the park or not. So. Uh, and and it won't have to be piped in uh, piped in crowd noises either or anything like <laughs> like they do in some other leagues. Yeah, so that's ultimately up to our friends at ESPN Plus. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so let, let's turn to the other hot issue of the day, and that's the Black Lives Matter uh, matters movement. And so so some of your players like Elma N Four have been very vocal about their own um, that their own challenges have uh, being African Americans, or in in his case, um, an immigrant uh, American. Um, what has the what have uh, has have you as a club been doing in order to um you know basically talk about racial issues and some of the racial injustice that um that that still seems to be prevalent in a lot of places in the country i'm glad you asked ira because there certainly isn't a more important topic uh that anyone in our position has been dealing with um both 
presently, uh, as well as as um, looking backwards. Uh, the focus now on it uh, is is certainly amplified because of current events. Uh, I, I can tell you that our club's perspective, which I understand is not unique, uh, is to support and amplify our players' messaging when it comes to social justice issues of all types. Uh, the last thing we would want any of our players to feel is that we are in any way restraining them from speaking their minds on the issues of the day, um, whether they be about racial injustice or anything else that is ultimately important to them. Uh, so I understand this may sound like a cliche, but it's, it's very much true. If it's important to them, it's important to us. Uh, and therefore, we feel strongly that all of our platforms, whether it be social media, website, um, interviews with both local and national press, serve as a platform to amplify the message that they want to communicate, which is our club stands for complete um, and total inclusivity. Uh, tolerance and understanding of everything and everyone in our community. That's great. So, Matt, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today before uh, before I let you go? Uh, I would want everyone listening who's a fan of both our team and of League One overall to know that we are working incredibly hard to put forth as safe and enjoyable an event as we possibly can. I understand that fans are anxious to see a schedule. Uh, certainly, I am as well. Um, but a lot goes into that, especially when you consider the diversity, the geographical diversity of our markets. It's important to remember that unlike the championship, we're not looking at a regional model uh, where most teams will be able to, um, to uh, take bus rides. Uh, or, or something along those lines. We absolutely are looking at flights for the vast majority of our games and the complexity around travel logistics, particularly given how different spikes are from market to market, have made this an incredibly difficult process. So I, I would just simply ask that, that all fans of all League One teams, but notably Union Omaha, remain as patient as possible while we work through the challenges to get to a point where we can safely host games in our markets. And uh, so there, I, I promised that that was the last question. Of course, I, I have another one now. <laughs> so so I, I just earlier today on the 29th of June when we we're recording this, the um, uh, the moratorium on contact training by the league has been lifted. So did, did you guys train mm-hmm. today and uh, as a as a full squad? Or, and if not, um, you know, will, will that be happening in the very near future? Uh, it will happen in the very near future. The only reason we didn't begin full contact training today is because the testing just uh, just commenced. So we need to get our test results back. Uh, and once those um, are full, uh, fully vetted by the league, which we're expecting in 24 to 48 hours, we will be ready to begin full contract training right away. Great. And with that, Matt, thanks very much for coming back on League One Fun. Part of the Matt, uh, um, the, the, I don't know what to call you, the Matt Club? There's between, between uh, yourself, Matt triumvirate? <laughs> Yeah, Triumvirate at least, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a definitely a... Uh, a big deal. A quarter of the uh, USL League One, um, you know, presidents or general managers are uh, uh, are Matt. So so and and you know, happy happy to be so. I suppose you guys you guys have to get on a conference call or something and and start a formal organization. Absolutely. So here's here's where I'll throw it out that we should have some kind of side wager or cup uh, for results uh, amongst our teams at the end of the season. <laughs> the, uh, isn't isn't that what we do in soccer? The Matt Trophy. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's yeah. our, our your your league within a league. Great. So, Matt, thanks very much for coming back on League One Fun. 
definitely my pleasure, Ira. Thanks for having me.